following podcast may contain spoilers, profanity, and views or opinions that may not be representative of the author's intent of the articles discussed. We don't always take ourselves or the subject matter seriously either. Listener discretion is advised. The following is a Galactic Network podcast. Welcome to the Alien Invasion number 246, recorded on Thursday, August 23rd, 2018. I'm Dave Nelson. That's Brad Ludwig. We haven't done a show in like three months. Yeah. <laughs> it's been like since the beginning of June. Yeah, it's been a, an interesting and busy summer, to say the least. Let's catch the audience up, shall we? Let's let's run down the things that have happened since we were last on the show. Uh you got married. I did get married. You Vanessa went... got married too, oddly enough. Wow, so... what a weird coincidence. I know. <laughs> what else has so... been going on? You went on the honeymoon, right? Yes, we went to Portland, Maine, and then hopped the high-speed ferry from Portland to Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. So you were in my country, for just a I was bit. kind of remotely in your neck of the woods. Yeah. Now, if your neck of the woods was just Canada. <laughs> we all know each other, and we're all next to each other here in Canada. <laughs> Got to experience my first Tim Hortons. Nice. So what, your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I, I only had some coffee and... I think I had a donut of some sort. I can't remember what kind it was. I'd have to look at the wedding, uh, the, uh, I'm sorry, the honeymoon pictures. Cause we took pictures of like everything we did. Uh, it's kind of ridiculous. And, uh, you know, it was, it was okay. Um, you know, I'm sure Canadians are going to listen to this and, you know, want to lynch me or set me on fire or something, but yeah, it was okay. It was a nice, <laughs> quiet place to 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 hang out and get some coffee and free uh, Wi-Fi. I'm guessing, right? Yeah, yeah. There was the Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know, it, it kind of reminds me of Dunkin' Donuts in the states to yes. to a certain degree. Yeah, very very uh, similar. So, yeah, because our Dunkin' also has free Wi-Fi. So, um, yeah, and uh, yeah, we had a really good time. Met uh, met an interesting dude in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, who, uh, his name is Lars. And oh, oh I, Lars Ulrich? I, Lars Ulrich? Uh, no, Metallica's not, drummer? No, it was not the Metallica Lars. Okay. <laughs> no, he was, I, I deemed him the hardest working man in Yarmouth, because he, uh, <sighs> Oh, we had lemon poppy seed cake, Anessa reminded me, mm. at, uh, at the Tim Hortons. So anyway, uh, so Lars is a taxi driver, and um, all around, like if you need to go somewhere, if you want a, a tour, he was your guy at East Coast Cabs. And it was, he was amazing. And we were walking through Yarmouth, like downtown Yarmouth, and we saw him drive by like two or three times. Um, he was all over the place driving around, so um, I, I deemed him the hardest working man in Yarmouth. Cool. Very interesting dude, and he gave us a, a historical tour of Yarmouth. 
uh, as well as uh, took us to and from the uh, the port for the ferry. So yeah, we had a really great time, and uh, I experienced ocean fog, which you know y- you talk about inland fog being terrible. Ocean fog blots out the sun; it is so dense. Wow! Uh, it was it was amazing. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know there was such a thing as like a specific thing called ocean fog. Is it called well, ocean I'm, fog? I'm deeming it ocean fog. Oh, okay. It's not like inland fog where you've got you know the moisture and stuff from you know from dew from other moisture on the land or you know rivers or lakes or stuff like that. If you're in the middle of the ocean and the fog comes and you're sitting in the middle of literally millions of gallons of water. You've got a lot of moisture to pull from, and that fog is dense. And there's no breaks. There, there's no pockets of no fog. It's all fog. It's, it really seemed like it was no fog. I mean, it was like all dense fog is what I meant to say. So, yeah, it was it was something. I'm trying to think of what I've been doing since the last time we chatted. My stepdaughter graduated from high school. Yay! Yeah, um, and she's about to uh, start college. What? In, Where's she going to college? Like a block away. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We have a really cool college that's just right next to where we live, so it's very convenient for her. Um, I've been working a lot, too. Like every summer, I work a lot, and that's one of the reasons why we haven't done the show for a while is my crazy hours in the summer. So we're getting back to fall. We're going to get back on a regular schedule. And I thought, since we haven't done a show for a while, we should change up the format a little bit, mix it up a little bit, have some fun with the Alien Invasion podcast. So I thought, let's do different types of episodes. We'll do our regular episode from time to time, like every third episode. But in between, we'll do, I'm thinking, a top four list of something, like, Top four, maybe alien superheroes or top four something, all related to uh, aliens of some kind. And then I thought, let's do a movie review episode. And you were like, hey, that sounds like a great idea. Absolutely, it does. <laughs> or you just gave me a thumbs up. I Yeah, I, I gave you a thumbs up yep. because uh, the first movie that you recommended that we do is right. Uh, it's a movie I'd seen before. <laughs> <laughs> oh really? I didn't know that. Okay. Yes. And it's uh it's a movie that uh I enjoy for for what it is for what it is for and what it does. I, I enjoy that movie. For longtime listeners of the Alien Invasion, we did an episode called Invasion of the Fifties, right? It was Attack of the Fifties. Or Attack of the Fifties, yeah. And this wasn't one of the movies that you covered, was it? No, it was not. Okay. Uh, it, uh, it's just within that whole genre. If you talk about, you know, sci-fi B movies from the fifties, this should come up on your on your list and because the, it is a classic. And it's one of those great things about nineteen fifties old like independent movies is they're in the public domain, so you can watch it for free at yes. in various places on the internet. <laughs> yes. Okay, so the movie that we're going to talk about on this episode is Killers from Space, 1954 black and white film starring Peter Graves. Who do yes. we where do we know Peter Graves from? Mission Impossible famously. Yep. 
He's he's very young in this film. <laughs> I yeah, it's you know, it, I almost wonder if he like turned gray very early, you know, because mm-hmm. he's maybe in his early 40s in Mission Impossible? Yeah. Maybe? Yeah. Um and his his hair is just absolutely silver. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of wondering if he, he, he does, it seems like he's got flecks of gray in his hair in this movie from the fifties. Mm-hmm. So, um, and mission impossible, I believe was like late sixties. You are so correct. Within a decade ish, um, give or take a few years, he's completely silver. And it's so. crazy to think about it's only 10 years between this movie well, more than 10 years, uh, between this movie and Mission Impossible. And there's a night and day difference between the looks because this movie looks old. It looks really old. And Mission Impossible is that color, that vibrant color kind of. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's it's kind of like, you know, the last 10, 15 years that we've lived through going from standard definition to high definition to 4K, if yeah. you don't have to go back that far to have something look terrible, right? No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, with this movie, it was done <laughs> on a shoestring budget, mm-hmm. to say the least. So I'm sure that they didn't have the best camera equipment. And then, you know, uh, at, at that point in time, you had to, you know, develop film. You didn't have like digital video. So, I mean, there's that whole process. And, you know, you could have somebody really high quality do it or, you know, there, there, there's a lot of things you take a gamble with there. So let's uh, jump into the plot summary. Let's kind of discuss it together. I've got it all written out here, but we'll just kind of go back and forth between um, what we both remember from it. Yep. I I have the worst memory in the world, so you're probably better at explaining the actual plot, but I'll... I'll read through this, and then I'll stop, and we'll just kind of discuss it. So Peter Graves stars as Dr. Douglas Martin, a nuclear scientist working on atomic bomb tests. (laughs) And let me interject. It seems they don't care about the radiation from these bomb tests. They're, like, walking into it. They're flying into it. They're like, hey, let's fly into the bomb test and, and land and walk around. You know, I, I think the the thing to to kind of keep in mind is the kind of bombs that they tested with and the kind of bombs that they dropped, you know, uh, I'd say dropped, you know, nonchalantly that they that they used on Japan. Um, I think there's a great deal of power difference. And those are atom bombs versus, you know, hydrogen bombs, yeah. which we use now, which are what 10 to i can't remember 10 to 20 times i'm just pulling that number out of the air because that's what kind of rings true uh but they're far more powerful than just atom bombs so um i think with a lot less well obviously you don't want to stand in the middle (laughs) of the thing or anything like that um but you know with as far away as they were and taking these measurements and stuff i'm sure that they had well, one, they probably didn't realize how horrible radiation was because they were studying it. But two, they probably had some kind of, you know, safety, you know, like 
uh, either a thicker cloth or some kind of mild shielding that they had either in the plane. You don't want to add too much weight to the plane, but uh, or to their suits. So, you know, I, I I'm pretty sure that they they caught a lot of rads doing that work. Yeah. Uh, but there was some some thought given to that at least. Okay, so Doctor Douglas, he's in this plane studying the radiation. The plane loses control, crashes. He uh, appears to have survived. He kind of just appears out of nowhere, unhurt, walking back to the airbase with no memory of what happened. On his chest, though, is a strange scar that was not there before the crash. And it's like, if you were to, like, if you were to look at, like a, a nautical type map with the legend of north, south, east, or west. If you were to just shove those to make like a backwards L with little bits pointing out of the back and the bottom, that's what it looked like. It looked like they cut a flap, horribly cut a flap with a little bit of excess kind of going just past the lines where they wanted to go and like flipped his chest open <laughs> and did heart surgery. You know, you know, spoiler alert for aliens doing this, they're not that advanced. They didn't do a very good job. Well, I, I got to say that their their work on that scar, I mean, that looked pretty clean. Yeah. yeah. It was big, but it was clean. It was it was clean. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that any anybody who had had uh, heart surgery would love to have a scar that looked that clean. Uh, and and no pain mm-hmm. afterwards uh, involved with such type surgery. So because they they do they literally they take his heart out or mm-hmm. his heart is out at a certain point, and then they put in, um, like it's a device or I can't remember. Is it a? It's a beacon, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a flashing like beacon that they kind of put inside of his heart and then <laughs> shove it back in. It's just really goofy. And there's a scene where he actually sees his heart. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just, it's pumping away. Yeah. So he's back. He has no memory of what happened. And then they do another test without his knowledge, and he freaks out. He runs to the airbase. And do you want to describe what happens when he gets to the airbase, Brad? Um. Oh. I'm trying to remember that he he runs to the airbase a couple of times. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of airbase activity. Uh, he runs to oh he sneaks in to get some information from the safe. That's right. Yes, and it, that ties into the story later on. Yeah. Okay. Yep. He okay. So he grabs that and he takes off in his car out to the desert. And he puts what he found or what he took from the airbase under like a rock. Yep. And then some FBI agent shows up and he he slugs him. <laughs> <laughs> and he and he and he disappears. And uh, the doctor, the doctor, the doctor disappears. <laughs> uh, okay, so they eventually find the doctor. And uh, they put him under a deep, like a drug, like a... Yeah, it's like a sodium pentothal, like a truth drug sort of a thing. And uh, then they use like a little bit of hypnosis on top of that to find out what happened. 
because they're insistent that he, you know, he, he he's he's a spy and he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So they whack him with the drug and then they start asking him questions. And that's where we find out that after the crash happened, he was injured. They operated on his heart. Brad, and, uh, Brad, and Brad who that. who operated on, on his heart? Oh, I'm sorry. The aliens. Aliens. Did. Yes. Yep. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be the alien invasion without aliens in this movie. <laughs> Absolutely. So he was held by space aliens, led by Dnab or <laughs> Danab or Danab. Danab. Yeah. yeah. In their <laughs> and they're they're in an underground base. They're not in a ship. They're in an underground base, and these aliens have these large bulging eyes and they're just basically large human eyes but like uh kind of stuck over their eyes it's like somebody is strangling them and their eyes started <laughs> popping out of their sockets it's like that toy right where yes. you, you strangle or them. if you've been unfortunate enough to stumble across a video with the uh there's actually a contest that they have where people can you know, they'll hold their breath and, and, and like make their eyes bulge out. Ew. And they actually measure how far these people get their eyes out. Ew. And it's creepy. <laughs> okay, so the eyes. And then they're from the planet Astron Delta, ruled by a being called the Tala. Uh, they had revived his lifeless body as Brad said, after he died in the uh, plane accident. Uh, the aliens plan to exterminate humanity. Dum-dum-dum. And this is where it gets very convoluted. They. <laughs> this is where it gets yeah. convoluted? <laughs> well, mo- <laughs> more convoluted. So their plan to eradicate humanity is to use giant bugs. And reptiles, or anything else that they can get stock footage of and pretend it's huge. (laughs) That is a, like, rear projection is, like, one of the most used forms of special effects to try to either adjust scale of things. So, like, they would take, you know, film of like lizards up closer or grasshoppers up closer, ants up close. And then it would be, you know, like the movie Them, which uh, that's a radioactive meteorite hits uh, near an ant, an ant hill or a big ant colony. And these ants mutate and become huge. Um, so they do a lot of that. Or if they do like miniature or stop motion like moving puppets and and you know like uh harry house ray Harryhausen yep. with like the sinbad films and stuff like that um to kind of integrate the live actor with this you know obviously special effect laden footage they did whatever they could do back in the 50s to tell the story correct yeah um okay so martin intuits that the aliens use stolen electrical power grid to control their equipment. <laughs> oh, oh, they're using the, uh, aren't they using? No, they're the- using the radioactivity from all of the tests to siphon off power 
to uh, you know to 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 power their master plan. And then they're they're using it also to make mutant insect insects, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well. Yeah, they're, they're kind of they're, they say that they're sort of hastening that process. Okay, <laughs> it's gonna happen anyway, they say. So, okay, so the aliens wiped his memory and hypnotized hypnotized him into collecting the data for them. That's the thing that he stole from the airbase. So he didn't know what he was doing really. He was kind of like the Manchurian candidate. Yep, uh, the FBI agent. Steve Pendleton, and the base commander, James Shea, I think those are the actors' names, they are now, <laughs> are skeptical of his incredible story and keep him confined at the hospital. Nevertheless, the attending physician says that Martin genuinely believes that what he told him or told them was true. All right, so I'm, this is not a complete review of what happened just so we're gonna we're gonna keep it a little bit of it uh from you so if you plan on watching it you'll be sort of surprised at what happens (laughs) so with calculations made with a slide rule martin determines that if he shuts off the power to the flats where the the military no not the military that's where the tests are happening The Solid, Soledad Flats? Soledad Flat. His plan is to shut the power off to the area of Soledad Flats for just 10 seconds. That will create an overload in the aliens' equipment. <laughs> I find the science of that incredibly dubious yeah, yeah. at best. You have to, like, um, suspend... Dis- <laughs> A lot of disbelief. Yeah, d- disbelief on this. <laughs> So he escapes from the hospital, goes to the nearby electrical power plant, where all movies in the 1950s end up sooner or later, mm-hmm. where he forces a technician to turn off the power. And I don't get the scene because he could have just turned it off himself, which he eventually does. He's trying, he's forcing this guy to turn off the power when he could have just done it himself. Yeah, I, it would have been faster for him to just run over, punch the dude, and then flip the switch. Because they were just literally switches. They were just I, li- the toggle, you know, toggle switches. Yeah, and I, you know, I really kind of think that they were attempting to add time. Because I mean, the script is pretty thin overall. I <laughs> yeah. think we can agree on that. Yeah. And I think they found ways to try to either a build suspense or b pad for time or see both. So I think that was one of those cases where it's like, well, we need to add another 30 seconds here. So let's have this pointless argument about turning off. <laughs> Cause it's literally, no, I'm not going to do it. Yes, you will. No, I won't. Yes, you will. No, I won't. Pow. <laughs> Fine. I'll do it my damn self. Yeah. And you know, it just could have been uh, wrapped up a lot quicker. Okay. So let's wrap up the review here. After 10 seconds, the alien base is destroyed in a massive explosion, saving the Earth from conquest, and they believe him. He, they believe his story finally. <laughs> it just the the gaping mouths as people look through the window as this massive explosion takes place in Soledad Flats, and he walks up, going, "See, I wasn't crazy." And he doesn't say that exactly, but everybody's like, "What?" Yep, you can see it. <laughs> you can see it in his eyes. That's what he's thinking. See? Yeah. 
You didn't believe me. Fine. There it is. There's the proof. Follow this Galactic Network podcast on Twitter, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Find us by searching for Galactic Network on all the major social networks or click on the icons at GNCast.com. Okay, so I have a series of questions that I want to ask of this movie. Mm-hmm. And they're all like alien-related questions. So, first question is, what type of alien are they? Now, I'm thinking that we should base this, the answers off of the known alien races that we're aware of, like the Greys or the Reptilian or the Nordics. So, and it doesn't have to be one specific. We can mix, mix and match a little bit. So what type of alien do you think these guys are, Brad? It's like, uh, it's like a bug-eyed monster crossbred with a cultist. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, there's a number of, there's this film... Uh, gosh, and there's a couple of others. I can't remember the names right now, but they, you know, they wear like hooded robes and they're humanoid or they, you know, they've got like maybe some you know, pancake makeup on there to make them look, you know, uh, really pale or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's what these guys wear. They wear cultist robes. Uh, I'm not sure. They're, I wouldn't say that they're Nordics because Nordics are typically, you know, blonde and tall, and these guys were not. They were very I, ugly. They were ugly aliens. They were they were uh, of a hardy uh, build, and uh, you know, uh, 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 they're a hardy group of people for sure. I'm thinking. Um, I'm thinking that okay, you know how they had the big eyes, right? Yeah. I'm thinking that maybe. They took that from. Is it possible that there was eyewitnesses of real aliens at that point in history that they could have based that off of, like the Greys with the big eyes? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Like we didn't know. We didn't know about the details about Roswell until like the 1980s, right? That didn't really come out until way after the fact. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. Unless they were being fed the information from a, a, a secret source. No. That way lies contrails. That way lies madness. It's, it's, the, deep sp- it's the deep state, Brad. <laughs> you know, I, I think that for the budget they had, they had to make them look sinister. Mm-hmm. So they grabbed robes from the costume area uh, from the movie you know, uh, from where they were shooting the movie. And they used, I I read up on this. They wanted to use, the the director wanted to use ping pong balls cut in half. And he went, uh, one of the guys that was kind of handling all of this went, no, that's going to look really schlocky. We're not going to do that. So he went to, a company that made glass eyes. Oh. And he was like, you know, I really would like to be able to, you know, cut these in half and then use these, you know, put them over their eyes so that they look a little bit more realistic. Right. The problem was that they were like very expensive for each one. Like they, they said $900 
a wow. piece. Wow. Okay. Which I don't know if that's I don't know if that's adjusted for uh, for today's you know value of money, but that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So they went no, and I think to keep true to his word that he wasn't going to use ping pong balls, he was stumped and he went to the refrigerator to get something to drink, and he saw his egg egg carton. So what they used is the the impressions, the bottom part of the egg carton, and those are what they made the eyes out of, the bug eyes. <laughs> My question is, is could they see through those eyes? Or Yes. Okay. There, there were holes in this. So they had like large, they like painted in larger black dots, but in the very center, they cut actual holes out. Okay, because so, I, was, I was thinking that I kept on looking to see if, they couldn't see what they were looking at, like they were maybe feeling their way. Mm-hmm. But apparently that's not the, uh, not the case then. No. Okay. So uh, it's, I think it's kind of a mismatch, mismatch, mishmash of different types of aliens and the fact that there was not much of a budget. So you get, that's the reason for the robes and the, uh, the egg carton eyes. Okay. So what was the reason for their invasion, Brad? Uh, their planet, Astron Delta, was dying. So they wanted to destroy life on Earth and take it over. Yeah. Basically, they wanted to evict the current residents <laughs> forcibly and... Uh, Take their stuff and move in. What were they going to do with the the giant insects and reptiles after all the humans were? Uh, You know, with their advanced technology, they could have just killed them, or shrunk them back down again, or shrunk them, or something, or sent them on their way to another planet. (laughs) Use them as some kind of inter interplanetary assault force of insects. Drop them on other planets. Who knows? Or an alien zoo. Well, yeah. With the remaining humans. Maybe they're going to keep a few humans oh, around as yeah, part of the yep. zoo exhibit. So it's basically the traditional reason why aliens are invading. They want to take over the planet. That's, that's the most raw of the essence of ideas for an alien invasion, right, is to take yep. over the planet. Okay. What type of technology did they possess, or by what means did they travel the cosmos? Now, I'm glad that you have the answer to this, because it was very confusing to me. I didn't understand. So why don't you explain their mode of transportation? So when Dr. Martin asks, like, you know, so you guys live underground? Because they have this base underground, and when you think aliens, you think uh, like, you know, some kind of mobile, like a ship to get you to and from. You don't make a base, really. But they did. And uh, Daneb shows him a quote unquote video of their technology, which is, well, not of the technology, but of these UFOs traveling. And they do travel by UFO by way of an ele- what they call an electron bridge. But I wrote down, basically, it's a UFO interstellar freeway that they built. Okay. Because <laughs> you, you're watching this thing, and you see a UFO go away from you, and then towards you, and then away from you. And, you know, it's like... It's, like, know, it's it, like a freeway. It's like a freeway. Yeah, good description. 
it uh, it obviously the bridge does not move in only one direction. It moves in both. So there you go. Kind of like the Rainbow Bridge. Kind of like that. Yeah. Except for with the Rainbow Bridge, you don't have to have a ship. You just zap. Yes. You're there. You're in. You're human. I mean, your body is there. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh, next question. If there's a conflict in this movie, which there was, who won and how did they do it? Of course, it's Dr. Martin by turning it off and on again. Turning. <laughs> pulled a pulled an IT crowd reboot, essentially, which uh, <laughs> caused the the backup explosion, as it were, of the base in Soledad Flats. See, it proves the fact that the most effective way of solving a problem is by turning it off and on again. Yes, absolutely, 100%. That's how it works. Even in the 1950s. It was the proto-IT department answer yeah. for you know the first question of, <laughs> oh, my technology is not functioning. Well, did you turn it off, turn it back on again? Well, there you go. Okay. Uh, what moral and or philosophical uh, <laughs> philosophical yes issues were dealt with? You know, that's the the beauty of sci-fi is it's a way to wrap around a subject to make you kind of sneak in, making you analyze something. You know, that was the beauty of the original Star Trek. You know, you could talk about race, you could talk about war, you could talk about all these things, but in the the clothing or the wrappings of sci-fi. Um, the only thing I can think of is because at this point, we're entering kind of McCarthyism and we're entering, you know, the Cold War is is starting to ramp up here, um, or it's in the early stages ish. Um, it has, I believe, that it it it's kind of a thinly veiled, you know, we have to be wary of the enemy because they could be anywhere and they could be trying to take all our stuff. Yep. <laughs> yep. I think you're right. Um. That's the only thing I can really, really think of because everything else just seems, you know, Peter Graves is, there would be no movie without Peter Graves. He's holding this whole show up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, everybody else is not the best, you know, maybe they were just starting out or maybe they just did television, but their performances did not really transfer well to the screen as it were. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, he's he's kind of a one-man show holding this whole thing together. So, you yeah. know, I think they're, they're, it may have been... I think they could have explored or made some things a little bit more apparent if people were giving, you know, 100% or giving more nuanced performances, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the whole enemy like the communists that's the rep that's the replacement or the um what's the word i'm looking for the uh fill in for communism communists An i don't allegory allegory yes the allegory for communism is the aliens and i was thinking remember in world war 2 
how they used to portray the Japanese and the Germans with exaggerated, like, facial features. Oh, yeah. So I'm thinking that maybe the bug eyes are that version of that. Yeah, to kind of illustrate the alienness or the otherness of these 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 beings. Yeah. Yeah, I could I could see that. I could see that. Okay, final question. Were there any inspirations drawn from real life or other fiction? Did this movie inspire others? <sighs> you know, weird fiction and science fiction had kind of already started between the 20s and 30s. So it had like 20 years, a little bit more than 20 years, 25, whatever, years to ramp up to this point. I'm sure that it had been explored in pulp magazines and other books. So I don't think that it's necessarily anything new. But can you think of anything from this movie that we saw reflections of in movies that followed it? I can't think of any specific no, case. I can't either. No. I mean, yeah, the concept really of can. an alien invasion, yeah. Yeah. But that's about it. And somebody being hypnotized to do something against their will that is, you know, different from who they who they are in their everyday life or something that they would never do, uh, like steal from the government that you work for. Yeah. Um, that's been done before. Or, um, you know, maybe this inspired, well, it wouldn't inspire real life cases, but I'm thinking to the Betty and Barney Hill case of them forgetting what happened and he kind of forgot what happened to him. Yeah. You know, I, Thinking about like weird fiction, there are times in fiction where something so horrible happens that you forget it because to to remember it would be to live it over again. And your brain's like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> I don't need that. Yep. And wall it off or throw it out or whatever. Um, so I don't think that that's necessarily a, a different or new thing either. So... <sighs> Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. This movie didn't really inspire or was inspired by anything. So let's just. I, I really can't think of anything. No. Yeah, that's that's the that's the answer to that question. If you like this podcast, the Alien Invasion, and would love to support us in a very simple way, we ask that you go to gncasts.com/support. That's gncasts.com slash support and click on the Patreon link. Uh, now with Patreon, we're just asking for a few dollars a month. It's not per episode, it's per month at one, three, and five dollar levels. And each level has its own perk. Like you can get your name mentioned on our shows, not just this show, but all of our other podcasts that are part of the Galactic Network Network. You can get a whole message read and other perks, other other things that you'll get for your dollar, three dollar, five dollar a month support of the network. So again, go to gncasts.com slash support, click on that Patreon link, and I believe we also have a link to our 
Amazon affiliate link on that page as well. So if you're going to be doing some shopping on Amazon, uh, click that link and support us that way as well. GNCasts.com slash support. And we thank you. Okay, let's move on to the final segment of this podcast. That is the weirdness, the weirdness that we saw in this film. And one of the first weird things that really stood out for me is the name of the planes. They were Tar Baby followed by a number. I don't remember the numbers, but they were the planes were Tar Baby something. And a Tar Baby, isn't that like a big time, like racial term? Yeah, it was. Um... It's from uh, the story of Mr. Rabbit and Mr. Fox, um, which kind of has some racial undertones to it, which, yeah, I don't. I'm sure for I'm sure for them, they didn't think much of it. They're like, oh, that sounds good. We'll use that as the names for the for the plan. Yeah, I you know. It's original. Uh, I'm going to be that guy now, but one of the ways it was used is, um, you know, basically disguising something as something else, Mm -hmm. you know, like in, in the story, it makes a, like a dummy out of tar, literally out of tar to confuse somebody. Mm -hmm. And I think that they were trying to use that in this context as they don't, you know, they're obviously broadcasting over the airwaves. They don't want people to necessarily know their position or whatever, even though they talk about dropping a bomb, you know, it's like they're trying to be covert, but they're failing at it miserably. (laughs) Okay. I get, I get what you're saying there. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Um, so the next weirdness that I noticed was Dr. Martin was very rough with his wife, like pushing her down and like like kissing her very, very hard. I would like to say that Dr. Martin is just a complicated man. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, uh, that's there. It, a lot of depictions of, of some married couples in movies in the 50s that's not out of the ordinary unfortunately yeah so, no yeah and it and it continued for the next what half decade or so being yeah. depicted in movies and tv shows and i mean you see it in like um mad men the amc oh, yeah. series which represented the 1960s so yeah. that type of behavior by men lasted for a while yeah, it's it's uncomfortable to watch yeah, at it is. times. Yeah, how about the smoking? Everybody was smoking. Doesn't doesn't matter where or when they they were lighting up at the hospital. Off in a carload. Yep. Uh, you know, again, that's that time period where you know smoking is it's the thing, and everybody's doing it. You can smoke anywhere, and by golly, if they didn't uh, smoke everywhere in this movie. <laughs> But, you know, you and I are of an age where we remember going to a restaurant and there 
being ashtrays when we were younger. Oh, I remember on tables. I remember going and and planes. I remember being on yeah. a plane having a cigarette. Like yeah. I, I, I wasn't in the smoking section. There was it, it went from everybody smoked no matter where in a plane to a smoking section to no smoking whatsoever. And I had to go back to the smoking section. And I believe I wasn't supposed to, but I did anyways. I think. You're- Rebel. I know. <laughs> All right. So uh, final weirdness. Well, I, I mentioned nobody really cared about the radiation earlier. Um, yeah. And then we also talked about the egg carton eyes. So there you go. Those are the weirdness. Do you, can you think of anything else? <sighs> Offhand, no. You, you know, just the the dubious science. I. I wouldn't necessarily, I guess, call that weirdness, but, you know, to, to, to reboot everything and have it cause a massive explosion um, with all this energy that they've accumulated with, you know, through the radiation is, that's silly. Well, you More st- than it's weird. You still see that, though, in TV shows and movies about using an, expl- an explanation of something that wouldn't necessarily work in real life um, yeah so I don't, I don't think that has changed very much over the years yeah it's a, it's a nice MacGuffin sort of a thing alright so uh, let's wrap this up and talk about what we thought um, did you write this very cheaply made but was on the right track as far nope. as no that was me okay that was you I, I wrote this a week ago and a lot has happened in between so that's why I forgot so again very cheaply made, but it was on the right track as far as the story and the concept. Like, if, if you would have taken, if you could take the same story and make a great film out of it with the, uh. well, with the right technology and the story rewritten, maybe make the characters more interesting or more complicated or more background to them, maybe. Yeah. I, you know, th- and I don't want to draw this out too long, but you know the story, story writing from every generation or every era changes and becomes more and more complex. So when you look at something from the '50s and you go, "That could never be remade today," using that say, you you have to pad it out. You have to make the people more complex, less two dimensional. You know, you really need to add more emotion to it to get butts in seats. Yeah. So, I mean, that that won't work today, what they did before. So, yeah, when you remake something from the 50s, it's not going to be very much like <laughs> what, uh, what came before. So, Please subscribe to this Galactic Network podcast by going gncast.com slash subscribe or search iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or anywhere podcasts are offered. Okay, so that's going to do it for this episode of The Alien Invasion. Let us know what you thought of this um, this format. We'd love to do, get your feedback, what you think was good about it, what you thought was bad about it. Do you like it? Should we do more? Uh, on our next episode, we'll be discussing our top four favorite alien superheroes. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you got a few in mind already. Uh, a couple. Yep. <laughs> And uh, we would like to thank Monkey Warhol for providing our intro music. The song is called Alien Syndrome. You can find that 
at monkeywarhall.bandcamp.com. He's got some new music out, too, so look for that as well. Also to Retward von Dernberg, a composer from Germany, for our closing song called Be Water. Learn more about him and his music at thecaravel.net. And also, finally, thanks to Ben Olson. Thank you, Ben. For recording. Hey, you, he was your uh, your wedding dance DJ, too. He was our DJ. How did he do? He was fantastic. But when you have friends that are like 80% introverts, not a whole lot of dancing. Yeah. And I felt bad. So I, I ended up you know, going up to the DJ booth every once in a while and, hey, man. <laughs> People are, and everybody was saying, wow, this music is great because we had, and he did it beautifully because we asked for some, some music from the forties, you know, some music from the fifties, some current stuff. And he blended it all together very wonderfully. And he got lots of compliments. So I made sure that I went up and, and told him so, um, cause he, he did a fantastic job. So. Yeah, I, ha- I highly recommend Ben Olsen. If, if you are in his area for, if you need a DJ, I highly recommend him. Yep. Okay, thanks for joining us, everybody. I'm not going to ask for a final thought because we kind of just did it. We really did that, yeah. Yeah. So uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. This has been a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.